that is also <sighs> where did Necrom come from? Is a great question. <laughs> um, X Men, X Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world. The only hope is X Men. Welcome to Cerebro, the X-Men podcast where a homo and his friends dig deep into the history of Homo Superior. I'm your host, Connor Goldsmith, and with me today is Sam Guido, best known to Cerebro listeners as one of the moderators of the Cerebro Discord. Sam, how are you today? I'm good. A little nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. <laughs> Sam and I just met for the first time in person recently at FlameCon, which was a lot of fun. Four of the mods flew out to attend and to help me out, which was a huge, huge help to me because I was very nervous. Uh, <laughs> I am excited now to be back. I'm recording a bunch of stuff this weekend. My computer broke. Uh, as some of you may have seen on social media, and I had to buy a new laptop, which is what we're now recording on, which hopefully will be perfectly good. I mean, it's a nicer laptop than my old one. So there's that. I also got my second monkeypox dose yesterday, the vaccine, not like of the virus, a dose of the vaccine, to be clear. Uh, That's fun. I'd rather have a dose of the vaccine than a dose of the virus itself. I mean, I guess that I guess the vaccine is a dose of the virus itself. That's how vaccines work. Well, it's smallpox, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, oh it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in, they were like, when was the last time you had your smallpox vaccine? I was like a couple weeks ago when you all told the gays to get it. Uh, so no smallpox for me, hopefully monkey or otherwise. Uh, but we are here to talk about Colin Mackay, Kailun, a character from the Alan Davis run of Excalibur. Kailun is one of the lesser appearing characters that I've covered on this show so far. Prior to the Krakoan age, he had, I believe, 32 appearances, which is not quite three Zaladanes. He was most recently one of the regular characters in Teeny Howard and Bob Quinn's Knights of X, which is what compelled us to start talking about doing a Kailun episode. And there's no one else I would ask to do it because I know how much you love Kailan, hero of the people. Sam, I would love to start, though, by talking a bit about you and your history with the X-Men and why you love this franchise enough to spend a lot of time moderating my Discord <laughs> server for no money. Um, so much when- time. Remember when that listener wrote in and referred to you guys as my staff? And I was like, yeah. ooh. <laughs> staff, a staff. No, I paid for that plane ticket. You sure did. <laughs> I mean, I someday, someday you all get slewed out on my dime, but we're not quite there yet. No. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit about you. How did you first get involved in the world of the X-Men? So I have a much shorter history with the X-Men than most of your guests, not just because I'm younger, but because I didn't get into the X-Men until during the pandemic when I watched all of the MCU movies and then was like, I should try reading superhero comics because like I like Mm -hmm. reading and I like graphic novels and I'd been reading like ElfQuest and that kind of thing. And I was like, I should try reading like 
Marvel or something. And I started with Marvel and then I was following like this reading list that was like, had like 60s Fantastic Four and like 60s Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Cause I always like starting with old stuff. And when I got to the X-Men, I was just like, I want to read all of this. This is exactly <laughs> what I was looking for. Cause it's Here like, it is. it's basically DS9 with superheroes, which is exactly yeah, you're a like big my Star kind Trek of yes. person. Yeah, exactly. I love Star Trek and like, it had that same kind of vibe of like a sprawling cast and then like supporting characters that would move in and out of it. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot more focus on the relationships between the characters like in DS9. So yeah, that was why I really latched on to it. I know that Wolverine Logan is (laughs) a significant fave of yours because you are the same height, which (laughs) I love for you. But Kurt is your favorite, right? Yes. Excalibur was a natural... I didn't end the Claremont run like a huge Wolverine fan. That kind of came <laughs> later when, I mean, because like you, the Wolverine headcan, trans headcanon kind of starts with the whole like Laura thing, right? Because it's like they had to build, Sure, the idea like, that, the idea that Logan might be a trans man because right. it, fan-wise spun out of Laura being a clone who, hmm, for some reason, we can't find a Y chromosome here. Right. And I wasn't really interested in Logan being trans for that reason, but it like put it into my head. It put the idea in your head. Right. Yeah. And I started picking up on other reasons where I was like, oh, I actually really like this character for trans reasons. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he and Kurt have been fucking since giant size. So there's another in there with. Him yeah, there's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a vibe where if you are a Nightcrawler fan who is invested in a queer reading of the X-Men, Wolverine is the person fucking Nightcrawler. Yeah. Most consistently really yes. throughout the ages. Although I've come around on like Kurt and Brian because it well, is, it I mean, so the energy is definitely there. I think at the very least that Megan turns blue sometimes and it's their little secret. Yeah, they would never tell Kurt. He'd they would mortified. never tell Kurt, but it's <laughs> it's there. And I, that's why I still think that Megan and Brian should swing with Rogan Gambit, because I feel like yes. if you're into Nightcrawler, then you're probably also into gambit and I, I feel like the people i know who are into one tend to be into the other and megan certainly for the same raised by television reasons that she finds kurt so exciting and captivating would probably be very enthused by gambit who is also a dashing but kind of scuzzy swashbuckly type you know <laughs> yeah it's like if you're looking at romance novel heroes kurt is the more traditional like upstanding guy and then gambit is the rake so i think that she finds both of those things exciting yeah yeah what is it about kailan that you find most exciting because i again (laughs) there was no one i was going to reach out to to talk about this character besides you you are the biggest kailan fan i know certainly yeah honestly it's that scene in the plane where he reveals his power (laughs) because it's like I think my favorite scene in Davis Excalibur and since Davis Excalibur is my favorite part of like the whole Claremont run, even though it's kind of after the Claremont run, it's like my favorite mm-hmm. kind of part of that era. I just really latched on to Kylon as just like such a great example of like what makes that run so much fun to me. I think that this, 
the number two moment would be when all of the characters, all the main Excalibur members like merge together into a giant Brian where it's just so like over the top. I love the Davis Excalibur. It is post Claremont run, but of all the things that come post Claremont run, it's the one that is the most of a piece really in part because he he draws so much from what Claremont was doing and what they had been doing together because he was one of Claremont's collaborators and created Excalibur with Claremont when he comes back to write as well as draw Excalibur the first thing he does it seems to me is make a list of like all the things that Claremont never addressed (laughs) or answered before leaving the book Yes, he's like, Chris is a messy writer, and I am not. I need to tie all these up. It needs to all be part of one story. I'm going to clean all of this up. And not only that, but bring in stuff from my work on Captain Britain before Excalibur, which Chris was not. Chris co-creates Brian and Betsy and the world of Captain Britain in the 70s, but then the 80s material that we most associate with Captain Britain, with the introduction of the Captain Britain Corps and all of that stuff with Dave Thorpe and Alan Moore and Jamie Delano, and then Davis writing himself is all drawn by Alan Davis. And he is in many ways the core creator in the world of Captain Britain more than anyone, arguably... Even Alan Moore, who is the big architect of of the concepts, but the visuals and the stuff that I think of when I think of Captain Britain is all Alan Davis magic. I would agree with that. And like when I read Alan Davis's Excelsior for the first time, I didn't realize how much of it was references to Captain Britain until Mm -hmm. I reread it for this podcast after reading the Captain Britain omnibus for the first time, because it's so like seamless. Like when I read it, the first time I wasn't like, who is Linda McQuillan? Like, why is she right. important? I, I didn't really question it. I just like went along with it because that's like what Excalibur is, is you just have to kind of go along with it until it makes sense. And they throw so many characters <laughs> and worlds at you all the time that right. it's just like, well, okay, we're along for the ride. It's easy, therefore, to just go with it without realizing that what Davis is doing through his Excalibur run as writer and artist his little auteurist moment is tie up the loose ends that Claremont had left like the Courtney Ross plot but also create an origin story for the Captain Britain Corps the Marvel multiverse (laughs) and a million other things that go back to the 70s and 80s stuff without beating you over the head Part of that is done really cleverly through the character of Kailan and the backup story about Kailan that occurs through issues 42 to 46, which I think is really clever and makes it unfold before you in a way where you don't need to have read any of the earlier stuff because even people who have are confused about what's happening (laughs) until more of it is explained. Now, Yes. unfortunately for Alan Davis, I wouldn't say that Necrom... (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) ...is the most enduring uh, ex-franchise or Marvel period villain of them all. I will admit that when I was rereading, I did skim a lot of the Phoenix stuff because I was like, you really tried, but this isn't 
working. And luckily none of it ever matters again. So I do think I've come around on Farron a little bit because he's so funny and awful. He's just a mean little boy who was raised by monks. Farron as a true (laughs) flop is actually kind of endearing to me, but yes, he is the gossamer or bird brain of Excalibur in the sense that you're just like, why is this character here? He does not fit the tone. He does not fit the world. I was reading that scene earlier today where they unwrap his feet so they can touch the bare grass and the prophecy can begin. And I was just losing it. He's a very strange little man. But this is not a Farron podcast. No, Uh, thank God. Let's talk about (laughs) Kylan briefly. So What do you need to know about Kylon? If you are coming in from Knights of X or you haven't read Knights of X yet, it just concluded with issue five, you should read it. It's really great. I loved it to pieces. I think it's a great capstone to Teeny Howard's long run on Excalibur in the Krakoan era. And I'm excited for whatever Captain Britain adventure is coming next. Kylon is a character who actually predates the Davis run on Excalibur and is from the Claremont Davis run Excalibur. This is another one of the loose ends that Davis is tying up. In the second issue of Excalibur, a little boy named Colin has been kidnapped by agents of the Vixen, a crime boss who factors into early Excalibur stories and Captain Britain stuff, and you don't really have to worry about her, but Basically, he is a seven-year-old boy who is from Scotland. He is a mutant, but all that we can really see is that he has little kitty eyes, like they have the slit pupils. The kitty pupil eyes have led to him being socially ostracized. He has been kidnapped by these people. He manages to escape from the Vixen's men and run off into an abandoned factory where he is approached by Widget. What is Widget, you might ask? Widget (laughs) is a little floating guy. He's got kind of a beaky mouth. He's just like a little circle with eyes, kind of. Uh, Eventually, he will turn out to be the time-displaced essence of the Cape Pride from Days of Future Past. But truly... Truly do not worry about that. Alan Davis is crazy for that, and I love it. But in early Excalibur, what is Widget is super unclear. Widget can transport people between dimensions, which is how a lot of the early Excalibur plots like the Cross Time Caper end up kicking off. But in this moment with Colin, he rescues the boy by creating a gate and sending him somewhere. We don't know where. Colin, as the portal opens, says, oh gosh, oh golly, oh wow, which Widget then repeats as a catchphrase for the rest of the Claremont run, and frankly, kind of forever. There is the Excalibur podcast I've appeared on called Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, that takes its name from that. But for the next 40 issues, we have no idea what happened to that kid. I I love Chris Claremont and I love his run on Excalibur. But like when you read Alan Davis's run, you're like, oh, none of these plots ended. Like, right. No, none of this was tied up at (laughs) all. And Davis is only, I say only, it's a number, but he's he's on the book for 25 issues. And in that time, not only does he introduce this whole 
cosmology and origin story for like Otherworld and the Captain Britain Corps and all of that stuff, he also manages to tie up the longest lingering Excalibur plots pretty neatly, including what's the deal with Megan, which like he ties up yes. with the Neri plot. Or, and... or like the the love triangle, which he ties up yes, pretty early exactly. on. <laughs> Is Megan in love with Brian or in love with Kurt? What's going to happen to Rachel? Will she ever get her memories back? What happened to Rachel in the days of future past before she came <laughs> back in time? What's the deal with the evil Satyr 9 replacing Courtney Ross? Will that shoe ever drop? Will Alistair Stewart ever realize that Rachel's a lesbian and Kitty's in love with him? <laughs> like he resolves both love triangles. Yeah. What happened to the Warpies and RCX? Oh my God, the Warpies. <laughs> it was <laughs> wild going back and realizing that they existed before that story. Yeah, they're from Captain Britain. Yeah. Uh, why is the Braddock Lighthouse the epicenter of the multiverse? <laughs> and then... <laughs> More importantly to this episode, what happened to little Colin from yes. Excalibur 2? <laughs> so in issue 42, we start to get, as I said earlier, a bunch of backup stories. We go to the world of Eroth, which is later identified as Earth-148, sort of a John Carter of Mars kind of vibe. They make explicit Conan the Barbarian references a couple times, but it's more like future sci-fi fantasy. It's kind of post-apocalyptic vibing. Erath is a world where time moves a little faster than it does on our Earth, both in general and also in relation to our Earth. So while it's only been one year since Excalibur 2 in-universe on Earth-616, about 20-odd years have passed since Colin went through the portal. But we don't know at first that Kylan is little Colin. No. That's a reveal in issue 46 when he meets Excalibur. We first meet him when a bunch of citizens of Erath are faced with a druid who demands homage be paid to Necrom, the <laughs> despot who rules over all Erath. Kailan is a fuzzy warrior guy. He's a kitty man. He's really buff. He has the symbol of Widget on his armor, which is an odd beat immediately if you recognize it as Widget. The symbol has its eyes closed, so it's not as obviously Widget as Widget would be. Because Widget has big, glistening eyes <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> Notably, Kailan, in this first appearance, as he kills the evil druid and rescues these people, quotes both Dirty Harry and Porky Pig. Okay, yeah, I noticed that when I was rereading. I was like, oh, he quoted Looney Tunes. He's like, go ahead, punk, make my day. <laughs> and then when he kills the druid, he says, that's all, folks. Like, oh my so God. much like Megan, this is a character who touches on a lot of pop culture. I mean, that makes sense because like Megan, he's a visible mutant. So maybe he was kept inside similarly to the way that she was. Yeah, um, it said that his parents loved and supported him, you know, and mm -hmm. were accepting of his mutation. But like the vibe in Britain against mutants is like not great. No, even in original Excalibur, it's pretty bad. Like yeah. his first appearance, Vixen is hunting him. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it, it would make sense that even if his parents were supportive, that they try to keep that him they try to inside. keep him sort of inside and out yes. of sight. Yeah. So it's not as awful as Megan's right, backstory, exactly. but similarly, he maybe has more of a connection with like fictional characters on TV than he did with his peers and the other people around him in the village or whatever. Right. And like Widget's um, like his first friend when they meet right. in the warehouse yeah. and Widget cares for him and plays with him. And right. So the people are like, wow, Kailan, we thought you were a legend. Kailan masses an army to take on Necrom. He says, victory will be ours and Excalibur will pay for the devastation they unleashed on this world, which makes us go dun, 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 dun. Over the next couple issues, we get more of this plot as Kailan, warrior of the people, takes the fight to Necrom at his evil tower of wicked magics. He rescues the witch princess Satnin, who we learn is his great love. She is the daughter of the queen in exile, Aisha, who was murdered along with the rest of the royal family and her retinue. And Satnin was captured and Kailan rescues Satnin. And then Kailan and Satnin go to the big tower and fight Necrom. Necrom summons up Excalibur, the Excalibur of Earth-148, who are zombies. He killed them a long time ago. Yeah, it's so like they didn't actually betray the world. No, they're just under his evil necromantic control. It's like Thor, Black Knight, Spider Man, and their version of Captain Britain. Yeah, and like a like... Captain Britain who's just some guy. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's interesting if you go back to Excalibur one before Colin ever appeared is that this is actually the world Kurt steps into in the basement of the lighthouse in yes, the first issue of Excalibur. Which is so funny. Like Alan Davis is insane for that one. Fully crazy. When <laughs> So if you go back to issue one, when Kurt accidentally steps into another dimension in the basement of the Braddock lighthouse, he is faced with Queen Aisha, who has the same little hat as Princess Satnin, and Queen Aisha's advisor, Zria, who is a weird little yes. guy, as our friend Holly would say. <laughs> He's just like a tiny little like turtle man creature. And they're all- Alan Davis loves to draw those. He really Alan Davis loves a weird little guy. Zria looks kind of like Widget, actually, now that I think about it. Like in terms of- He looks a lot like a little- Alan Davis weird guy. He's just like a a weird little Alan Davis guy. thing about reading Captain Britain was like Alan Davis introduces like three or four villain teams that are just weird little guys. The special and, executive, which yes. later becomes the tech net, is like all weird little guys. The warpies are weird little guys. <laughs> yeah. like, he just loves to draw a weird little guy. The war wolves, honestly, at the end of the day, are just weird little guy animals. Yes. <laughs> the confrontation proceeds with Necrom, Satnin, unfortunately is killed, but manages to wound Necrom. Necrom runs off with a slave creature who helps him escape through the dimensional portals onto Earth-616. He is pursued by Kailan, who is in anguish at the death of his love, Satnin. Satnin, by the way, is Earth-148's equivalent of Courtney Ross or Opaluna Saturnine which is a beat that recurred throughout the cross-time caper. There is always a version of that woman on every earth. They are always very different people, but usually sneaky, let's say. Yes, cunning, usually. 
this is the nicest one we ever meet. Yes. But we don't meet her for very long. And so it would be interesting perhaps to explore her back. Like if we ever spent a significant amount of time with Kailan, exploring what she was actually like might be interesting because it might be a little more complicated than his recollections of her. Right. Like, is he idealizing her now that she's dead? I think so. But we never really get that much. I mean, she could still... She could still be the nicest version of, of them for sure. And Courtney <laughs> Ross, like from her 616, was pretty nice too. Yes. But she was definitely she like savvy. was in charge of a bank. I yeah, she was like <laughs> she had a very like voted for Thatcher energy. Yes. You know exactly. what I mean? And <laughs> so and like a lot of the Saturnines we see are involved in some way with like the royal family on their earth. There's usually a position of political power. They're power players. So Satnin, unfortunately, you know, dies. He follows Necrom through Necrom also, by the way, a weird little Alan Davis guy. We should yes. we should note. He uh <laughs> he is a bald wizard with pointy ears. And uh, we'll get to him in a moment. Uh, but <laughs> In this story, it's not clear what Necrom's deal is, but he has already presented a problem for Excalibur on Earth. His slave creature is destroyed by China Doll of the Technat because this is a point in Excalibur where the team has kind of split off to do different stuff. Kurt has employed the Technat as the N-Men, his little hero team patterned after the X-Men, which is very funny because Technat, they're not very good at anything, no. really. This is one of my favorite Nightcrawler <laughs> plots, because it's so silly. Because it's like, Alan Davis is really good at writing Nightcrawler, like, introspectively. Like, we get some insight mm-hmm. into, like, I'm worried the team just saw me as, like, a mascot and not as, like, a real, like, leader. Because he did lead the Uncanny X-Men for a little bit, but he was right. very bad at it. Yeah, not very effectively. Right. It was and after so, like, Storm got depowered him. and quit and Cyclops <laughs> yes. had already quit. And it was like, well, I guess Nightcrawler is our most <laughs> senior member. So he's the leader now. And he was like, Vasistis. And, like, it didn't go well. No, he's too much of a people pleaser. So then, yeah. like, I think that with TechNet, it was like people he could be a little bit mean to. Yeah. So it was easier for him to practice being in charge and like leading people. But it's very funny. So Necrom Slave Creature has been turned into a little figurine by China Doll. That's her power. She's China Doll as in a porcelain doll. Justin Park <laughs> sent me <laughs> a, a picture of the TechNet recently, was like, with like a China doll underlined with like question mark. And I was like, no, China like porcelain, like the material, not the country. I mean, the porcelain's named after the country, but she it, her name just means like figurine, not yes. racially problematic China doll. Anyway, she's a weird snake alien lady who turns people into figurines. She's great. I love TechNet. Yes. Uh, TechNet's tech powers are, are so much fun. TechNet's powers are pretty much all turning people into other things. They're very, very, very Claremont They're, in yeah, that way. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, the, like, I think it's in The Sword is Drawn. In The Sword it's is Drawn, It's just, like, yeah. page after page of, like, horrific, like, body Body horror. It's just yes. all of them have a weird body <laughs> horror powers. But anyway, Kurt is convalescing at the lighthouse with a broken leg in a cast because... 
Brian thought that Kurt and Megan were having an affair and Kurt and Brian got into a fist fight and Brian broke Kurt's leg, which really upset Megan, who told yes. him basically to go fuck himself and then went on a backpacking trip to Europe with Rachel <laughs> to try and find her family. Revisit the Megan episode for more on that. That's when we realized that Megan actually is a creature of fairy in addition to being a mutant. Davis actually doesn't really tie that plot up either. No. It's honestly not until teeny howard's excalibur that we affirmatively get yes megan is a fairy of other worlds by the way but does also have an x gene that is also <sighs> where did necrom come from is a great question <laughs> um and i think that we'll get into the necrom of it all and why he matters maybe after the character file let's stick to yeah. kylan for now but i think necrom that, is a lot <laughs> I, I and i think that like let's be real i'm unlikely to do a Ferran episode soon so no. i think that it's probably worth talking about necrom in the context of kylan and in the context of captain britain because the captain yes. britain story that's now ongoing I mean, I don't think Teeny's going to bring Necrom back, but we did glimpse Necrom in The Siege Perilous in yes. Knights of X4. I would love to see Farron return. Delighted me. Just I like, would too, Just honestly. like living in London, I don't know, as like part of like a weird <laughs> subculture. I would love I to know. see Farron interacting with Coven Akaba, actually. Yes, I think exactly. that would be a lot of fun. I would love to see them approach Farron and be like, you want to try again? Do you want to try to like, would matter? you like to try <laughs> and be important? And Farron, who is a terrible little guy, might yes. be into it. Anyway, so just to stick to Kailan for the moment, Kailan runs through the portal after Necrom and the slave creature, but it's been like a month since they came out of the portal because again, it's like limbo. Yes. The portal and between- also the, the portal is in the lighthouse's only bathroom. I right. feel like that so, is important to mention. <laughs> so he runs in swords drawn to find Kurt with his broken leg. Is he like shaving, brushing his teeth? I don't even remember what he's doing, but he's he has, like- He's bare chested though. I think he yeah, just has a like towel around doing, his waist. He's wearing a towel. Yeah, uh, he's doing some kind of hygienic activity in the bathroom. <laughs> Kailan sees him and immediately remembers a tale that he heard from the Queen Aisha. The very hour that Necrom deposed Queen Aisha and conquered all Erath, a blue demon appeared among them, shouted in an alien language, and then disappeared in a puff of brimstone, which is... What happened in Excalibur one? Yes, when it's Kurt just like briefly... those, those two panels. There's like yes. an editor's note being like, "Go look at those pages." Go look at these two panels happens. on page eighteen <laughs> of the <laughs> or whatever. So Kurt, as far as Queen Aisha was concerned, was some kind of agent of Necrom, presumably. Right. And so they're all like, <laughs> "If you see a blue demon that smells like brimstone, that's a bad guy who works for Necrom." So Kailan immediately is like, "I'm gonna kill that demon." and swings his mighty sword. He has two swords. They're called the Swords of Zria because Zria, the weird little guy, made them. Yes. Specifically for Kailan. He swings his sword to decapitate Kurt, but it phases right through Kurt and instead slashes the wall. And Kurt's like, boss? You know, and is not <laughs> super enthused about the attempted murder. But that makes Kailan immediately realize that Kurt's not a bad guy because the Swords of Zria are enchanted so that they pass harmlessly through anyone who is righteous and good. 
Yes. Like Ilyana's sword. Like kind of, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, there's a question about this later that we'll get oh, to, okay. but there's a lot of similarities between Kailan and magic that I think are yes. very interesting. But like Ilyana, yes, for more contemporary readers, this might not be something you're aware of, but right, because the now 80s, they're just like normal swords. Yeah, now now Ilyana's sword, the soul sword just does whatever it needs to do in the story and can be physical yeah. now. But back in the 80s, Ilyana's soul sword could only affect magical beings. Right. That's and didn't have a physical presence otherwise, which is why she didn't use it very much. Because like it will kill the demon bear, but it's not gonna affect the animator, like because he's just a guy. These swords, they'll stab a guy, they'll cut a guy's head off, but only if he's not nice. Someone like Kurt, who has a righteous, virtuous soul, it'll just shoot right through him. So Kailan's like, all right, I guess I should trust Kurt. I guess I should trust Kurt. He's got a Scottish accent, yes, presumably. He but is I'm, Scottish. <laughs> he is Scottish. <laughs> Mackay, I've said Mackay a couple times on the podcast, and then I realized as I was preparing for this episode that it should be Mackay because that is how the name is pronounced in Scotland. I was curious about that. Yeah, because it's not a Mac name. No, and that is because so the clan, the old clan Mackay, it would be M-A-C-K-A-Y. Okay. But in modern times, you often just see it M-C, which is more typically an Irish spelling. Actually, there's a singer, Nellie Mackay, who has this name spelled exactly this way. And I, okay. that was what made me remember suddenly. I was like, oh, she pronounces it weird. And then I Googled it and was like, oh wait, it is Mackay. The clan Mackay is an old, old Scottish clan. They fought with Robert the Bruce. Go back to the <laughs> Wolfsbane episode if you want oh more on that. But in modern times, it's just sort of a name that you'll encounter in Scotland and Ireland. It's a Celtic name. So one thing that's neat about this character is that in the context of Excalibur, where Brian is like British aristocracy, this is a character who is a Celt. And given that he's called Colin the Barbarian in the title of one of the issues, there's a bit of that too. It's like the old mysticism of the Yes. Celts. Yeah. Which I like, you know, similarly to how Megan is representative of the Romani shawl mysticism of the travelers and Romani people in the UK. There's this idea that apart from Kitty and Kurt and Rachel, who have come in from America, Kurt by way of Bavaria, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they're, they're new in town, but the British characters are kind of a cross-section of different British and Celtic communities, which I think is neat. Yeah, and that Kailan makes a lot of sense. That. Yeah. The Stuarts are also Scottish, Alistair and Alisand. So there's a lot of interplay. Davis is a British guy, so he has sort of an instinctive handle on how some of this stuff would interplay. And that's, I think, also why he was interested in Megan's... He's the one who gives Megan the Romani backstory in the Captain Britain stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so then I think he was interested in exploring that further in the arc with her and Rachel on the continent. Right. So he's doing a lot of this stuff, which is cool, I think. Kailan isn't explored in depth as a Scottish character because no. he is grown up on Erath and also he's not in that many issues because the second that Davis is off the book they write him out really unceremoniously but we'll he's get like, there when we get there yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
He's in like one arc. Yeah, after. yeah. Very, yeah. very brief. Kailan hears about Necrom escaping to Earth 616 a while ago and is really upset about it. No, Necrom they, could be anywhere. Necrom crashed through the bathroom first in yes. the earlier issue. In an- and they're all like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? And then they go in the what? bathroom and there's just a giant hole in the window. And yeah. they're like, what? <laughs> what? And they're just like, why do extra dimensional beings keep entering our bathroom? Now, to yes. be fair, again, since the first issue, the Braddock Lighthouse has been a weird portal to other Earths. So that's not super unexpected. It's just like Erath apparently opens directly into the bathroom. <laughs> it's so funny. Because like it when when Necrom crashes through, it's like it's a whole issue about how frustrated Brian is about how many people are in his lighthouse. Yes, everyone is the, in the lighthouse. The tech yes. net's there. It's like everyone is, he has too many house guests. Yes, and then the icing on the cake is that the bathroom gets fucked up and he's like, really? Like, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> we don't have a bathroom. Notably, the tech net is there because Saturnine fired them. Yes. <laughs> and so they didn't have anything else to do. And so Kurt's like, do you want to stay in the lighthouse for a while? And everyone, everyone else agrees. Like Rachel, Katie, and Megan are all like, yeah, Kurt, we'll let them stay. And then Brian's like, I don't like this idea at all. Brian's like, this is my house. This yes. is actually something that also <laughs> happened to Brian in Captain Britain with the Warpies. Yes. Because Betsy was like, obviously all the Warpies can stay with us until we find somewhere for them to be. And he's like, in our house? And she's like, Brian, they're children. This plot is honestly <laughs> the most I've ever related to Brian because I do <laughs> hate people in my house. I would not want all these weird little no. guys in my house. I and get then, it. And then the Excalibur issue is him wandering around the house trying to find a place to read. In his, every- <laughs> in his pajama pants. Like yes. he's, it's also <laughs> one of the hottest Brian moments that Alan Davis draws because it's just Brian shirtless walking around in these loose green joggers and beside himself because he cannot just have a moment's peace in his lighthouse. Yes. The the issue opens with because they're all sleeping in the same room and Kurt is sleeping and says Megan's name in his sleep. And mm-hmm. then Brian like wakes him up and tries to like kill him. Because he assumes <laughs> that basically he's like, oh you are having an affair. Now, yes. That was unreasonable. However, Megan and Kurt have had their weird almost kiss moment after yes. she turned blue and all of that. So and like, the, there's and a Kurt's vibe. And Kurt's a callback and to it. Kurt yeah. is dreaming about that moment when he says her name. And in the dream, it does get frisky. So mm-hmm. Kurt's having a fantasy about Megan. Brian just assumes that that's like actually going down, which is what upsets Megan. In part because Megan's like, you don't own me just because we're together. That's not how love works it's an important step in brian and megan's relationship which is very unhealthy at the beginning of excalibur but by the end of excalibur is pretty cute yeah issue 125 actually which is the final issue of excalibur is their wedding so the arc of their relationship is sort of the arc of the whole book but anyway kailan wants to fight and kill necrom and decides especially once he sees widget who flies into the bathroom oh, okay, Excalibur are my friends. He realizes that they're speaking English. That's another thing that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, is we realize that on Erath, he's been speaking Erath language. Right. We've just seen it rendered in English because we're reading the comic in English. Right. But that means that he did translate into like Erathese, that's all folks, and other (laughs) pop culture phrases. (laughs) 
but like he hears Kurt speaking English and he's like, oh, you speak English and my sword didn't kill you? What's going on? Right. And then Widget flies in. He's like, oh, my God, it's Widget. Yeah, it's my best savior, (laughs) you know. So they all decide, all right, we're going to fight Necrom. He joins up with Excalibur. And yeah, unlike his little kitty eyed moment as a kid, he's still ginger, but now he has fur all over his body in a cute way, like Nightcrawler, where like you can't really tell unless they tell you this guy is fuzzy. It's kind um, of like a purpley brown color. It's like a it's purplish brown. Yeah, it's more purple in the modern stuff, which I like because I think yeah. that it's a distinctive color. In the 80s, it's like a mauveish. Right. It depends brown on the color. lighting, too. And it depends on like how saturated the paper is also like in the reprints in the Omnis and stuff, it's very purple because yes. newsprint used to soak up some of the color. But I mean, you- like you give me like a purple cat, like in one of my favorite comics, I'm going to latch onto the purple cat. Cat's eye vibes. There's yes. nothing better than a purple cat person really at the end of the no, day. No, I also love cat's eye. She's great. Yeah. <laughs> Excalibur is summoned to Ireland, to this monastery. This is where Farron enters the story because the anti-Phoenix is buried there. Don't worry about that right now. We'll get to that after the break. Kailan is a big help because he's got these powerful magical swords, again, that can, you know, kill demons and whatnot. And that's when the scene happens that you were talking about in issue 48, where they're flying back to the lighthouse. Yes. Megan is like, so what's your power? Because they've kind of been dancing around it because it turns out Kylan's embarrassed. Like there were a few scenes early where Brian was like, what's your power, Kylan? And he was like, mm, and then got interrupted by something else. Right. So Megan's like, tell us, tell us, come on, come on, tell us. <laughs> and Kitty's like, yeah, come on, like show us. And he explains his mutant power has nothing to do with being a kitty man. <laughs> he has the power to perfectly mimic any sound. Kitty's like, okay, how about the sound Brian made when he punched one of those demon guys? And Kylan goes, you mean squall? You know, like, <laughs> like starts. He goes, then the rocks reformed, spurts went pop. Then Megan screamed and a rock creature thumped Brian. Get back. Then Cerise blasted the creatures. Fazam! Because Cerise is also on the team now. This, Davis introduces several new characters to round out the team. Yeah. Cerise, Kylan, Micromax, and Farron. All of whom will be written out immediately as soon as he leaves the book. Micromax stays longer than you would expect, actually. (laughs) Well, it makes... Here's the thing. Part of why they changed up Excalibur was because they were trying to make it into a more mutant book and a more, you know, X-Men title. Micromax is a mutant. The other characters aren't really. Like, Kylan is, but he's tied to all of the, like, weird mystical stuff that they're trying to get rid of. They get rid of Megan too in the same arc. So I think that part of the idea was, all right, Micromax can hang out because he's just like a mutant guy, but we got to shuffle the rest of these characters off. Anyway, everyone's just like, what the hell just happened? Like there's like a few panels of silence and then everyone's like, oh, that was cool. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. He, you know, they want to encourage him to not yeah. be embarrassed of his weird power. <laughs> um, then Necrom arrives at the lighthouse because it turns out the other world power nexus that controls the multiverse is beneath the Braddock lighthouse for reasons that we'll get to after the break, because I do think that Necrom and all of that is worth exploring. 
But basically the bottom line is Necrom fights Rachel and Rachel kills the shit out of him. And that's the end of Necrom. In the process, though, he resurrects Satneen as one of his evil zombies and uses her to tempt Kailan. But Kailan can tell it's not the real Satneen. They are left after the, as you pointed out earlier, the mutant circuit that happens yes. where they all merge <laughs> together and then combine with Brian, who's not a mutant, but whatever, bear with, to become a huge swole Captain Britain <laughs> It's so silly. I love it's, it. There's a lot going on in this story. <laughs> <laughs> we are left with the lighthouse destroyed and Satnin's body in yeah. Kylan's arms. Brian thoughtfully allows Kylan to bury Satnin on the Braddock estate, like it, in the Braddock which cemetery. Which is an interesting beat. It's like gives mm-hmm. him a little bit more closure on yes. this earth. Yes, and like brings him back to Earth, but brings Erath back to this Earth also on some level. A few issues later, Kailan is like, you know, I really should go find my parents. They're probably wondering (laughs) what happened to me. Because he thought his parents were dead while he was on Erath. But once he gets back, he finds out that the vixen lied to him when she kidnapped him and that she hadn't actually killed his parents. She just snatched him. So he goes to go look for them. He comes back. Closer to the end of the Davis run, where he is kidnapped by RCX. RCX is an evolution of Strike. It will later evolve into Black Air. Don't worry about this. There's a whole parade of, I get like someday in a Pete Wisdom episode, I'll probably pick that all apart because basically, like the Weird Happenings organization is also in there. There's always a superpowered division of the British spy apparatus it eventually settles into being mi-13 which is what it's most known as today although they've been using strike as a designation more often recently i think after it was mentioned in the mcu actually but also because jonathan hickman <laughs> loves captain britain and so yeah just of course mentions of strike into hawks box doesn't matter point is <laughs> Kailan and other people are kidnapped to the RCX facility called Cloud Nine. And there's a whole journey with the Warpies. Kailan ends up saving the day by mimicking the sound of an Erathian monster called a Gunzagdasia, which has a mighty roar and frightens the power dampening Warpy children that way, which is fun. He later has in the final issue of Davis's Excalibur, a moment where he mimics a sentinel. They're in the days of future past, future with Rachel, and he can mimic the voice coding that the sentinels use to like open doors and stuff. So that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) He's a useful guy. That's the thing is like the power is actually useful once you start thinking about it. Unfortunately, we just don't get to see that many uses of it, it developed further yeah because that's 67 which is davis's last issue and that's kind of a wrap on kailan the following arc scott lobdell takes over the book this is truly <laughs> abysmal stuff it's just it's a terrible so, it's a really terrible bad, little run it's a bad star trek riff that first like arc with cerise it's yeah so bad so 
Cerise, this is not a Cerise episode, but like no. the way that she was presented, she looks kind of Shiar always, but the way she's presenting the Davis stuff, she's just an alien. We don't know where right. she's from. She has like tufty, feathery hair like the Shiar do, but not quite in the same way that the Shiar do. Like it's not a triangle head. Right. And we don't know exactly where she's from. In these issues, like 68 to 70, Lalandra and the Shi'ar apprehend Cerise because she is their most notorious war criminal, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I actually kind of like conceptually. It, the arc is not good, but the idea no. is she was tricked into being like party to genocide and then yes. rebelled against her commanding officer and was blamed but she was trying to prevent a genocide. Right. Like there's a core like Star Trek-y idea there that's interesting. It's very prime directive-y. It's yeah. like exactly that thing where she's like, we can't just exterminate. But the characterization doesn't like People, right. no, land. It doesn't. Because like it really in, doesn't work. in the Alan Davis stuff, she kind of has like, I mean, I know this is kind of like a bad trope, but she does have kind of like a born sexy yesterday vibe. Well, she literally like, she, is like, she doesn't know what children are because she emerged yes. fully formed from the source or she whatever. She doesn't know what kissing is, right? right. And, and then the way- Scott Lovedell immediately comes in and writes her as just like, a normal oh, she are. woman yeah right and she's all like weepy and sad and like I, the way the that way she talks is not yeah it. the way that I kind of stitch it together and and I think a lot of fans have like no prized it together is that she and and actually this is now pretty much canon because Steve threw a reference to her into the recent run of, of Marauders. <laughs> Cerise has the power to, she's like a Green Lantern, but with red energy. And so with this new villain group, the Shi'ar Kin Crimson, who all have that power, he throws into a data page that like Cerise is sort of a prototype of that ability. Okay. And so the implication is that Cerise is an experiment of some kind that the Shi'ar did. Now we've also seen that Xandra emerged as like a teenager from an egg. So it's just something now that's part of Shi'ar lore, but we don't really have to worry about it. And it no. doesn't really matter. The point is this arc is not good. <laughs> no, uh, that's the main and, point. Also, and it's how just... they write out Cerise because Cerise yes. is like, I have to go, you know, make restitution for my crimes in Shi'ar space or whatever. This is just like a small side note, but it's also very confusing that suddenly they all refer to Micromnax by his first name which for some reason is Scott and yeah. I don't I don't understand that at all because it's like it's written by Scott Lovedell right and the, but the Scott that you associate with the X-Men is, is Summers and also you would assume that Micromax's <laughs> name is Max yeah because <laughs> he's a guy who shrinks yes so he's Micromax that's the yeah, yeah. No, anyway I don't know, I don't know. But like, um, like suddenly Nightcrawler's like going around like, hey, Scott. And it's like, you expect to see Cyclops there. And yeah. it's just fucking Micromax. The transition from Excalibur 67 to 68 is actually super infamous because 67 ends with, they've like liberated the days of future past and they travel back through the time stream. And then yes. 68, <laughs> where Scott Lobdell takes over, opens with narration explaining that Captain Britain was lost in the time stream and Megan is catatonic with despair sitting in a waterfall because she can't bear to be yes. without him. 
No, so that's how those I, two like, characters are immediately written out. I read that. I was like in the group chat, like, wait, what just happened? It all happens between <laughs> issues. And that is how Megan and Captain Britain are written out. Farron tries to help Megan with a spell and then he becomes catatonic. And that's how Farron is written out. Cerise is written out over the next two issues. The following issue, it's like, oh, Kailan went to go look for his parents again. And he's gone. Yeah. So as you said, only Micromax hangs out at all. <laughs> Amanda Sefton does join Excalibur in this little yeah. period. Lovedell kind of refocuses the book into being an X-Men book. Issue 75 is where Rachel switches places with Brian in the time stream and he comes back as Britannic. Go back to the Brian <laughs> and Rachel episodes for more on that because this is not a Britannic episode. No. Because <laughs> I've already done one. No, I haven't even read like Lovedell Excalibur. Like when it's, I was, you, when you I read, not. no, when I originally <laughs> read the Claremont run, I went right from Davis to Ellis. So I well, haven't even read the Shi'ar arc. Here's all that needs to be said. If you at home are like, how can I read this? The answer is not <laughs> easily because no. it's never been collected. It's, it's so simply bad. bad. I mean, maybe yeah. there might be an epic at this point, but historically, the trade paperbacks skipped from Davis to Ellis. They got like these visionary like mm -hmm. paperbacks that like they had Davis as a visionary and Ellis as a visionary, and there was just nothing. In There's between. no vision in between those two rounds because no. Ellis Excalibur, it's very 90s, but it's pretty good. Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. It's not really Excalibur to me, but well, it's fine. It, the, the, well, there was an editorial direct. Like, he was right. old. You have to use Moira and Rain. You have right. to use Colossus. Like, that all came from editorial. Right. So this was also, when Davis leaves the book, Excalibur, for the first 67 issues, is edited by Terry Cavanaugh outside of the X-Men office. It's not... Oh technically an X-Men book, which is like a weird inter editorially, which is part of why if you look at the collection, I assume this is why, if you look at the way that Inferno is collected in like the Omnibi and the hardcovers and stuff, Excalibur is with the tie-ins, not oh, with the main. That is odd. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Anyway, all that to say, these characters are really unceremoniously written out and yes. it's sad because they're all pretty great characters. Even Micromax and Farron, who are like shit <laughs> right. people that you don't like, are fun. Like it's a good, it's a good little crew that is immediately unceremoniously. There are such like good characters that you could do a lot with. And it's just kind of sad that no one except Alan Davis knew how to write them or what to do with them. Mm -hmm. Five years later... Kailan pops up for Excalibur 125, the final issue at Brian and Megan's wedding. This issue reunites pretty much everyone who has ever appeared in Excalibur. The wildest, as Sam, who just read this issue for the first time recently, pointed out and sent me a text about, they invited the Nazi Excalibur to the wedding. And yes, it's they so did. It's so funny. Um, it's so funny, but so bad. Well, it's the thing about the Captain Britain Corps is that Captain Britain is a little bit of an indictment, right? Of like Britain, because the idea yes. is like, well, we have to allow the Nazi Captain Britain to be part of the council. <laughs> He's a Captain Britain. It's like, no, right. you don't. He's a Nazi. <laughs> you don't have to let him be a part of the conversation. But so, yeah, all the Captains Britain are invited to the wedding, including 
the lightning squad or whatever it is they're called with <sighs> Hauptmann England and his like slave kitty is there like the ghost kitty with the I, tattoo on her I forehead. I can't with like slave kitty because like she <laughs> makes like a snide <laughs> comment to like Nazi <laughs> Megan and I was like that's not the Well vibe. Nazi <laughs> Megan is one of those things where you're like wait and that's just that yeah, I that think doesn't like make sense either. Well I mean I there's a lot going on with with Nazi Excalibur and this is not no. Uh, this is not a Nazi about them either. podcast. No. So we're just going to leave it at that. My favorite thing that happens in 125 at the wedding is that Saturnine tries to fuck Brian at the reception. Yes. And he's like, <laughs> I literally just got married. You are at my wedding right now. And she's yeah. like, who cares? We should just fuck. And he's like, no. And she gets really <laughs> upset and storms out. Classic Saturnine behavior. Yeah. And Cerise <laughs> and Amanda fighting over Nightcrawler is also very funny. Iconic. Amanda <laughs> saying the elf's mind, Tweety Bird Cerise <laughs> is a favorite moment of mine. It's the basis of my Cerise Amanda ship that I yeah. do ride for. I think it would be so funny. I mean, the wedding is just very horny all around. Everyone's horny. And I just yeah. think it would be really funny because dating Nightcrawler is gay in the same way that dating Polaris is gay. And especially now that Rachel's finally out, it would be really funny if like we revisited Amanda and Cerise and they were dating and Kurt's just like, yes. what? You I know, mean, like, I that would, would love be... for Amanda to be able to date someone other than, than Kurt. Kurt. That, yes, I think that'd I be love... fun because he gets to sleep around. I right. feel like she should too. And I love Kurt and Amanda, but there obviously is weirdness to their relationship that I think a yes. lot of modern readers just don't want to get into so it would be fun I would love to have her back and you can have her back without having her be Kurt's girlfriend so right. I think that although frankly I don't I like them together but yeah. you know whatever in the meantime I mean I think that Cy Spurrier would be, would be fine with it I think Cy Spurrier <laughs> who had Kurt fantasize erotically about Rogue recently yes. doesn't give a fuck what people think <laughs> about the weirdness of Kurt's relationships to his foster sisters so you yes. know it's like we'll just that was iconic that made me crack up and everyone's like that's his sister I'm like oh you want to talk about Kurt and his sister we can go there Nightcrawler met Rogue when they the were way... both in their 20s Nightcrawler's vows at the wedding were also incredibly horny like yeah. in a very like sappy and romantic way but it's definitely but also in a way like, where it's like we I am going to come with you on your honeymoon and we're all yes. gonna fuck it's like definitely <laughs> the vibe that of him addressing Brian and Megan at their wedding is like yes I am so horny for both of you and we should all fuck um yes. anyway we do check in with Kailan who has an aside with Micromax it turns out that Kailan found his missing parents. They actually weren't missing. They had yes. just gone to visit family in Australia and weren't home. And the charwoman had thrown out the note that they left just in case anybody came by. So he thought they were missing. It's a funny, like, tying that plot up. Yeah. What's really cute is he says that he's just moved in with them and they were just yes. like, son, you're home. And like, it's he just lives so with them now. It's so cute. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, he was seven a year ago and they clearly yeah. are just like, you can. When like, you compare it to like, like Rachel, you know. Or Ilyana, who, where yes, it's like, you know, Ilyana tried to go see her parents and they were like, who the fuck are you? And it's right. very different. from Or like Rachel, that was her plot line for like years. Yes. With like her and Jean and Scott. And, and Jean not accepting her yes. and all of that. Whereas it's very, very easy for him to just be like, ma dad so and, and they're just like oh yeah come on in 
He's like, last time I heard the glorious call of battle was on the bloody telly. He's like feeling very, you know. He left Narnia and now he's Exactly. But he doesn't get turned back into a child. Now he's just like a kitty barbarian man. Right. You know, doing the dishes. He's like, do the wash, Kylan. Tidy up your room, Kylan. Blah, blah, blah. It's funny. It's a funny bit. That's the last we see of him for literally 20 years. That's 1998. It's crazy. Like following the reading (laughs) order and you see like the jump in the year. (laughs) Kylan returns in 2018 in a story written by Leah Williams in the Domino Annual that year where he is part of a support group for visible mutants attended by... Stacy X. It, we actually talk about this during the Stacy X yes. episode, episode 69. It is a support group led by Kurt and Domino. So it makes sense that Kurt would invite Kailan because they're old buddies. Kailan here memorably talks about how he has been subjected <laughs> to fan art of him and Hank McCoy fucking, which disconcerted yeah. him. He's like, you know, part of being a visible mutant is that there's a certain community that's very invested and fuzzy people. And like he's been sort of beset by furries as a yes. public superhero figure, which is a funny idea. I, I think it's also really interesting, like Leah Williams bringing this in, talking about like non-visible mutants and like the fetishization mm-hmm. and stuff, because like, I mean, th- th- isn't that part of the original plot of Stacey X's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that like she was part of a brothel that right, specifically yeah. catered to rich men with mutant fetishes. So for Kailan to be like, yeah, that's happened to me too. Yeah. is like an interesting bit. To I really, out. I really like Leah bringing that back, like in a more like contemporary story. Mm-hmm. And showing that it would happen to men also in a yes, different way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That is also interesting. Like the women are objectified in a certain way, but also in the same way that men of color are objectified in reality. Right, exactly. Yes. This would happen or like to visibly mutant men. men. Yeah, yeah, that too. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a cool bit for sure. The following year, randomly, when the X-Men put out a distress call and X-Men disassembled, <laughs> Megan, when she comes to join the fray to fight X-Man, brings Kylan with her as just part of the huge group shot. We realize why when the Age of X-Man starts up and Shauna McGuire does the amazing Nightcrawler miniseries, you can tell that Shauna's a big fan of classic Excalibur because in the alternate reality of Amazing Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is the star actor at Mastermind Studios run by (laughs) Reagan Wingard. Megan is his leading lady. And Kailan is the personal trainer on set, which is very funny. He's like when the, the MCU actors are on Instagram with their trainers and it's like, here's how I got to be a huge Thor guy. And we're just not gonna talk about all the supplements I take. (laughs) Kailan is that guy in the world of Mastermind Studios, which I think is cute. And that's basically it until he pops up in Knights of X. He's in the group shot cameo in X-Force when um, at one point, I think it's, it's when Colossus is paraded out by Hank. I think you're right. Yeah. He's in the group shot there. But that's the only time we see him on Krakoa as far as I can remember. And then in Knights of X, we learn that he's been living in Otherworld. Once the Otherworld gate 
was open to Avalon, he moved there because, yeah, I mean, Kailun's been longing for adventure ever since he came back to our right. Earth. So it makes total sense that he would want to go back to Fantasyland. But he's kept in touch with Rachel and Megan. So when Betsy is looking for mutant allies for the quest in Knights of X, Kailun is one of the first people that occurs to them. So that's brought him back into the fold. In the siege, we saw a little recap of the death of Satnin and his fight with Necrom. Most compellingly to me, in terms of where he might go in the future, he's very perturbed by the fact that Betsy and Rachel have betrayed Saturnine. Yes. And in the big splash page at the end of Nights 5, we see him holding Saturnine and protecting her in the battle. And she has a little foot kicked up like, who, me? A I can't foot. possibly defend myself. <laughs> so I'm intrigued to see potentially with Betsy now saying, I'm not yours anymore to Saturnine. Like, I'm not your instrument. It would be interesting to see Kailun step into kind of a sorceress's night role with her that might bring him and Betsy and Rachel into conflict with each other. I think that would be kind of a fun direction to take the character in the future. But TBD, we don't quite know yet. I do think that he has a lot of new fans now after Nights. People really liked the vibe that he brought to the group. Well, the thing about his characterization in Knights of X that I think is really in keeping with his characterization Excalibur is just that everyone likes him. So mm-hmm. like, he's just immediately like Shatterstar's like, oh, I like this new guy. Yeah. I mean, part of why we start to figure out Mordred's power to make everyone hate him. Yes, is that was that so funny. Kailan can't stand him and Kailan likes everybody. So right. it's like a fun hint there. But yeah, I'm just happy he's back. I'm glad that he got to have a regular role in a book again. It was nice to have him back to further tie. Like having him and Rachel in Knights of X was really fun because it felt like a stronger tie back to the classic Excalibur, which was nice to have. And also if we're fighting Merlin, disciple of Necrom... It makes sense to have Kylan involved. What, you might ask? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Alan Davis is insane. I think his plotting is like... (laughs) Because I think now is a good time to do the Cerebro character file on Kylan. This will be pretty short because we just covered it all and there's not a ton to it. But I will take you through his complete publication history from Excalibur 2 in 1988 up through Knights of X number 5 in 2022. And then we will come back for more with Sam Guido. We will talk about Necrom and Merlin and Farron and all that weird shit briefly because I think it's worth explaining. And then we will answer questions from listeners like you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. X-Men, X-Men. Kailun, Hero of the People, is one of the memorable and fun additions to the early 90s roster of Excalibur under writer-artist Alan Davis. Created by Davis, he's an expansion of an earlier character co-created with Chris Claremont, Colin Mackay, a little boy who first appears in 1988's Excalibur No. 2. After young mutant Colin is transported to the world of Erath, he grows up into the mighty warrior Kailun, eventually returning to Earth-616 not long after he had left it. The character was written out after Davis left the book in 1993 and would not have a regular role in a comic again until almost 30 years later in 2022's Knights of X by Teenie Howard and Bob Quinn. 
Little Colin first appears as a seven-year-old mutant child from Scotland on the run from henchmen of the Vixen, a wicked crime lord who had kidnapped him and told him his parents were dead. He has a visible mutation, slit cat-like pupils, but no manifested powers. Despite this, he manages to escape the goons and hides out in an abandoned warehouse where he meets and befriends the strange interdimensional robot Widget. Widget opens a dimensional portal to save Colin, who's not seen again for three years of publication. In 1991's Excalibur 42, a sword and sorcery backup feature about Kailun, hero of Erath, begins running through several issues. Kailun, a cat-like warrior, is a legendary figure on Erath, actually Earth-148, where he battles the forces of the sorcerer Necrom. Necrom has seized the throne from Queen Aisha and massacred the royal court. Kailun's able to rescue the only surviving royal, his wife, the witch princess Satnin, and together they battle Necrom. With Kailun distracted by reanimated zombie versions of Earth-148's Excalibur, Satnin faces Necrom in direct mystical combat and tragically dies in Kailun's arms. Necrom manages to escape through a portal into Earth-616, pursued by Kailun. Kailun emerges in the bathroom at Excalibur's lighthouse, where he attacks Nightcrawler, whom he assumes to be one of Necrom's demon servants, with his mystical swords, the Swords of Zuria. Luckily, the swords are enchanted to pass harmlessly through those pure of heart, so Nightcrawler is unharmed. Confused, Kailun takes a moment to regroup, whereupon they're met by Widget, Kailun's beloved childhood savior and friend. Kailun explains that he was once the boy Colin Mackay, but was taken in by the royal court when he landed on Erath. Raised by Queen Aisha's vizier, Zria, Colin grew into the warrior Kailun, took the face of Widget as his symbol, and eventually married Princess Satnin. When Necrom slaughtered thousands to destroy Aisha and Zria, Kailun was left to gather survivors to create a resistance army. Nightcrawler explains to Kailun that Necrom also emerged in the bathroom, but over a month earlier because of how differently time moves in Erath. Little Colin Mackay only disappeared a year ago. Kailun joins up with Excalibur and accompanies them to Ireland, where they battle the Anti-Phoenix. Don't worry about it. The team is joined by the mystic Ferran, also an enemy of Necrom. On the way back to the lighthouse, Kailun's new teammates encourage him to reveal his own mutant power, which turns out to have nothing to do with his fighting skills or his leonine appearance. Instead, he has the ability to perfectly mimic any sound. He's embarrassed by this power, but his new friends find it charming. The following issue, Excalibur battles Necrom. As his new friends work to preserve the energy matrix of Otherworld, don't worry about it right now, Kailun and Farron face down Necrom directly. But the wizard, now empowered by the Anti-Phoenix, which, again, don't worry about it, is too powerful. They're rescued by the arrival of Micromax, an agent of the British government, and Necrom enters Excalibur's lighthouse. Kailun chases after him, only to be startled by his beloved Satnine, who tells him she used her magic to resurrect herself. Savvy enough to recognize this as a trick of Necrom's, Kailun attacks once the sorcerer draws near, which sends Necrom fleeing to Otherworld and leaves Kailun holding Satnine's corpse. Necrom is ultimately destroyed by Rachel Summers when he attempts to seize the power of the Phoenix. Finally taking a moment to regroup and mourn his love, Kailun is touched by Brian Braddock's invitation to bury Satnine in the Braddock family plot at Braddock Manor. He remains with the team for a few issues, but then decides to seek out his parents, who had not been killed by the Vixen after all. Eight issues later, we catch up with Kailan at his parents' home, where he's nervous about meeting them. They remember him, after all, as a seven-year-old boy only a year ago. Before he can ring the doorbell, he's kidnapped by the British spy agency RCX using their secret weapon, the Warpies, children mutated by Jasper's warp back in the 80s run of Captain Britain. As the Warpies are innocent, Kailan's swords are unable to harm them. After his Excalibur teammates are also captured, Kailan helps save the day by scaring the Warpies with an imitation of an Irathian beast. Kailan then joins Excalibur on a journey to Earth-811, Rachel's home reality, where his vocal mimicry power grants them access to a sentinel base. At the close of this story, with issue 67, Alan Davis departs the book and is replaced by writer Scott Lobdell. 
In Lovedell's first issue, a dramatic restructuring of the book and the team at the behest of editorial, Brian, Megan, and Farron are all written out. Teammate Cerise is then arrested for war crimes by the Shi'ar Empire, and Kailan, between issues, unceremoniously disappears, apparently to look for his parents once again. Five years later, Kailan returns for 1998's Excalibur 125, the final issue of the series, written by Ben Robb. He attends Brian and Megan's wedding, where he explains to fellow guest Micromax that his parents hadn't been missing after all. They were just visiting family in Australia. While Kailan's parents were overjoyed to have him back, even as an adult cat mutant rather than the child they lost, his life has become boring and domestic. Twenty years later, Kailan returns in the 2018 Domino Annual for a story written by Leah Williams, where he attends a self-help group for visible mutants hosted by Domino and Nightcrawler. The following year, he makes a cameo appearance fighting alongside Megan during the franchise-wide event Disassembled, whereupon he, along with most of the X-Men characters, is shunted by Nate Gray into the Age of X-Men reality warp. In the Age of X-Men miniseries Amazing Nightcrawler, written by Sean and McGuire, Kylan works at Mastermind Studios as a personal trainer for movie stars Megan and Nightcrawler. In the 2019 soft reboot House of X and Powers of Ten by writer Jonathan Hickman, Kylan is one of countless mutants to become a citizen of the new mutant sovereign nation on the living island Krakoa. Kylan appears briefly in a group shot in a 2020 issue of X-Force, but takes on a regular role for the first time in 29 years in 2022's Knights of X by Teeny Howard and Bob Quinn. Trapped in Otherworld and seeking mutant allies, Captain Britain Betsy Braddock is advised by Rachel Summers and Megan that Kailan has been living in Otherworld since the Krakoan Gate to Avalon opened. Kailan eagerly joins the Knights of X and accompanies them on their quest for the Siege Perilous. But when Betsy and Rachel reject the authority of Saturnine, an alternate version of Kailan's long-lost princess Satnine, Kailan is left distrusting his friends. With the quest for the siege complete, Kailan's swords are again for hire, and Opaluna Saturnine finds herself in need of a new knight. X-Men, X-Men. And we're back with Sam Guido talking about Colin McKay, Kylan, Hero of the People. Sam, how you doing? I'm good. Good. I am melting. It's it pretty is- hot in here too. I'll be real. I'm wearing <laughs> like my shortest shorts I own and I'm still sweating through this shirt, but we'll get through it. It is 102 degrees in Los Angeles today. Here, it's just our upstairs is really poorly air conditioned. (laughs) So it's very hot up here. Fair enough. Anyway, we're back. We've already covered everything that Kailan has ever appeared in comics wise. So I think now we're mostly just going to vibe. Actually, I want to I want to get into the Necrom of it all. So... I really, I keep saying it, but I really do love Alan Davis for this. He is insane. Like when they let Holy him, bananas. When yeah. they let him write his own plot, he just goes. It's uh it's wild. So here's the gist, insofar as I understand it. We can explore this, I guess, more in depth in a Farron episode, but the reveal that happens is that Necrom is of the same species as Merlin and Roma. Now, if you go around the internet, you'll find lots of people saying that Necrom came from an alternate Earth or that Necrom is from Earth 148. That's not correct if you actually read the comics. Necrom's origins are never explained and we don't know where he came from, but Merlin explains to Roma that Necrom was his master and all that. So my assumption, and he has the pointy ears, is that Necrom is a creature of Otherworld and is one of the Fae himself, right? Yeah, Um, that would make the most sense. 
Yeah, so Farron is the descendant of the original Farron, who a thousand generations ago <laughs> was Necrom's student in sorcery alongside Merlin, which, sure, why not? Uh, <laughs> the original Farron is still like one of the funniest phrases in Excalibur. Yes, Farron one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as opposed to Farron How two. many generations of Farrens have we gotten Lots to like get them. one that looks like this? Yeah, right. So basically <laughs> the most interesting thing and why I think it's worth mentioning is that in this backstory, we learn that Necrom took Farron 1 and Merlin to Earth 616 because it is the prime Earth. Yeah. Which is like, okay, what is that? It's never really been explored what that means. And my read on that, I talked about this with Al Ewing, is I believe that the Phoenix Force is like the future self of 616 Jean Grey and that she will retroactively become this cosmic being that exists in all times and all dimensions. And that's why 616 is like the main prime earth that's underlined by this Excalibur story, because when Necrom wants to contact the Phoenix, he travels to 616 specifically, right? Um, which sort of implies that the Phoenix has a connection to that earth. That like Rachel as the daughter of the Phoenix would is also born be on eight eleven and that is also drawn, drawn pulled by the Phoenix Force yes. to six sixteen. Right. So it's like, what's that about? Right. So we find out that long ago, Baron, <laughs> the original Baron, had a connection to the Earth and uh, a specific magical talent that enabled him to call forth the Phoenix Force as part of a ritual that they conducted at. The Braddock Lighthouse, which because is... of course they did. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Brian own this cursed lighthouse? He doesn't yes. want it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, we know that most of Brian's life has been manipulated by Merlin and Roma, yes. so I assume which that the Braddock also, family yeah. bought that lighthouse for reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. Part of what they did in this spell was create the Otherworld Matrix that commands power over the omniverse and bound it to the lighthouse which is why the lighthouse is the epicenter of all dimensions this is the answer to the question posed at the beginning of Excalibur that Claremont never answered Farron then like original Farron classic Farron who has only this one appearance hosted the Phoenix Force briefly as part of this while like communing with it and then Necrom who you know his name is Necrom and he's like a weird bald monster. It's like not super shocking. You know, what's actually interesting is that Zria, the vizier also kind of is like a little green yes. weird guy. So it's like, are they connected? I feel in some like way? that's just like an, Alan I think it's just Davis an Alan Davis like little weird guys, but like, if, part like, of me is like hmm. a lot of his background, little weird guys look like the little frog guys. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Necrom's a little less froggish, but he's still a pointy-eared little guy. Anyway, yeah. Necrom attacks Farron, classic, because he wants to devour the Phoenix and become the most powerful being in all creation. That backfires a little bit. It doesn't work. The Phoenix is like, fuck you, and flies <laughs> off into space. Uh, the piece of 
the phoenix that Necrom had torn away is buried beneath the earth on 616 and becomes a being called the Anti-Phoenix. <laughs> what is the Anti-Phoenix? Do not worry about it. It will probably never no. come up again. But I, Aaron- It's so funny, though, because, like, it's Alistair and Kitty are, like, called out on a mission Mm-hmm. And it's like they find a box under the earth that just has like a guy in it and yes. they can't like scan the guy in the box. And they're just like, what is this weird box? So while Necrom is distracted by this whole thing with Theron Classic, Merlin is like, hmm, I'm going to seize control of this other world matrix we just created. And that's how Merlin became Omniversal Magister of Otherworld. Yes. So that's the origin of Merlin from Captain Britain. And uh, he goes off to do all of that. This is also the arc where we find out that Merlin did not actually die in Captain Britain, has been manipulating things from the shadows, and that part of why Roma brought together Excalibur was specifically for this mission. Also, like all of the weird inconsistencies with Brian's powers because of a jinx that Roma cast on him. Don't worry too much about it. It's basically just like, Alan Davis is like fix it fix. He's tidying like everything up he didn't like. <laughs> everything that didn't make a ton of sense in earlier stories with this story, which also doesn't make a ton of sense, no. but it at least answers a lot of the questions. Farron Classic remains behind on a 616 to battle the anti-Phoenix whenever it like rises from its grave or whatever, because he feels bad about causing pain to the Phoenix Force when Necrom attacked them. Thousands and thousands of years later, Farron, who joins Excalibur, is his descendant who's supposed to host the Phoenix Force. But then when they do the ritual, Rachel's already got the Phoenix Force. Right. So the Phoenix is like, I like her better. And Farron right. is really pissed and spends the rest <laughs> of his time with Excalibur just really pissed about that. And then, you know, Necrom is eventually destroyed because he tries to steal the power of the Phoenix. And uh, the Phoenix is like, no, and I'm more powerful than you. So surprise, bitch. And, you know, obliterates him. Uh, So that's the deal with Necrom. I just point all of this out because it's an important part of the lore of Otherworld, even if Necrom, the character, will never appear again. But the fact that, like, Kylun's nemesis created Merlin, who created Otherworld and Excalibur and all of that. There's something there. And so it makes sense that going forward, Kylun would be sort of connected to the lore of Otherworld and to Saturnine and all of that stuff. So I'm excited to see where it goes. It would be something that'd be interesting to tease out at some point. Yes, without like actually dealing with Necrom and the yeah. Anti-Phoenix because we don't need to do that. But just no. the idea that Kylun grew up on the Earth where Merlin's evil mentor ruled as a dictator is yeah. something that you could do stuff with. Exactly. And that's all you need to know about Necrom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sam, is there anything else you want to say before we get into the questions about Kylun? I mean, he's kind of just like a purple cat guy with an interesting power and backstory and an interesting love interest that you could do a lot with. Yeah. And you found uh, his, you found that stat block. Where was that from that you pulled out? From the 198 files. Is that the 198 files? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kylo was one of the 198, even though he never (laughs) appears. Alchemy, by the way. Like, also a Davis Excalibur weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so like some kid won a contest to create like his own X-Men character in Excalibur and it was like alchemy or whatever. Super weird. Is that where alchemy came from? I thought that I'm was pretty sure it was like that someone was Huma Sapien. Oh, maybe. I thought it was that they won a contest or something. Because he kind of there up. are two issues with alchemy. And the first one is awful. It like makes no sense, in my opinion. The first time yeah. I read it, I was like, what's even happening? <laughs> alchemy does not have a full Zaladin, by the way. Alchemy no. after this Excalibur arc is most famous for dying to try and fix Mpox during the uh Inhumans versus X-Men. Period. wild wild good for him you know he accomplished stuff like he he did destroy an entire terrigen cloud but he then died <laughs> good for him and as i'm currently absorbing the second dose of an mpox vaccine i thank alchemy <laughs> for his service yes anyway in that stat block it says that kylan is five foot two and 101 yes. pounds which, can't which possibly is be true that's literally incorrect because all of he's it like, is incorrect he's for sure. like the same height as like the rest of excalibur like he's yeah like not, he's tall he's not noticeably shorter and he's also no. like wolverine is definitely more than 100 pounds because he's so muscly i feel right? like if we went back to the handbooks maybe that's like stats for Farron. And we just oh got like, mixed up. You know what I mean? That would make Farron's, so much like, more short sense. And slender. Yeah. But like Kailan is like about, I don't know, 5'10 and like buff. Yeah. So it doesn't really no, make that, any sense. No, it just made me laugh because I was like, wait, I never noticed that. That doesn't make any sense. No, none <laughs> at all. But God love him. Love that for him. Uh, I would love him to be Wolverine size, though. I would yeah, love I just that don't, for Logan. I just don't think he is, unfortunately. <laughs> no, he's definitely not drawn. <laughs> he's not drawn short. No, not at all. Well, we got some questions about our pal Kailan. And I think now is a good time to get into those. Andy Latai writes, hi, Connor and guests, longtime listener, first time writer in here. I only know Kylan from his appearances in Classic Excalibur, so it's possible this question has been answered in later appearances, but why does he look like that? When we see him as a child, he looks completely human, but as an adult, he's a furry cat person. Is this appearance just a random side effect of his mutation? I believe I recall that when asked, he specifically says the only mutant power he has is the sound mimicking abilities, and his strength and fighting prowess is all from training. So what gives? Did growing up on an alternate Earth somehow imbue him with fur? Until Theron gets a seat on the Quiet Council, make mine cerebral. Bro. Thanks, Andy Latai. So as a kid, he does have cat eyes. Yes. And we can just assume that as an adult, he become like puberty hit. And just like we all grow hair on our bodies, he grew kitty fur all over himself, which is very cute. But what does that have to do with his mutant power? Not much. It does seem to be a separate mutation. Yeah. I mean, Nightcrawler being blue doesn't have much to do with teleporting. With his teleporting, right. Like, sometimes yeah. people just also, like, I mean, Polaris has green hair and magnetism. Like, they're not connected. <laughs> no. Uh, sometimes you just have a mutant appearance in addition to having a mutant power. But it is more unusual and... It's cool when a character has that and they're not connected. Usually right. when a mutant has a weird mutant appearance, it does have something to do with their power. Like Feral, for example. But in this case, he's just a kitty guy. He doesn't have claws or anything. He's just Right. And no one from E-Wrath is a Looks kitty like guy. That. No, yeah. it's no, just it's him. Just, it's just him. <laughs> yeah. It's just his No, power. all the E-Wrath people are just humans except for Zria, who is a weird little green turtle man. But like, why? We yeah. don't know. He just is. I wonder, like, does Satnin think that he came from an Earth that's just where everybody's kitty guys? <laughs> hot kitty guys? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
I do love that he like grows into a hot kitty barbarian man and then marries the princess. Like I do think yeah. that that's very the all of the backstory stuff we get with Kailun that's like sort of in montage panels of like this is the comic book that you are not ever going to get to read that no it, it does for 50 feel issues. like a crossover that just like rams into excalibur that's what's really fun about it is you definitely feel like it could have been, and, and there's a history of that in excalibur like there's the whole nth man crossover early on in excalibur where yeah. i reading it as a kid didn't know nth man was an actual comic so i was just like what is this i guess it's just an excalibur thing and here's an example where like it was reasonable for me to think that because sometimes it is just an Excalibur thing and there isn't actually a comic, but I would have read like 25 issues of the Kylon hero of Erath comic yeah. as like a sword and sorcery comic. It would have been fun, but yeah, no, there's no real explanation, honestly. Terry Gilliland writes, Hey, Connor and esteemed guests. Thanks for the podcast and all the accents as Kailun can replicate any sound. Could he replicate the powers of Banshee, etc.? Thanks from Edinburgh, Scotland. You have a lot of love here in the UK. Make mine cerebro, Terry Gilliland. Well, thank you, Terry, for writing in from Bonnie, Scotland, home of Kailun. Andrein Sinclair. But Kailun, if you, you know, for the Scots out there who were bummed that their only real representatives are Wolfsbane and Moira X, Kailun's a quality option to to sort of counterbalance some of that. We don't know is the answer. I am not sure that he could mimic Banshee's power because that creates like sonic force. Right. I wonder if he could mimic the... I feel like he could mimic the sound, but... Right. And I feel like he could produce like... He could do some of the things that Banshee and Siren do, like where they create a tone so high that they shatter glass or whatever. Right. Like he can do stuff yeah. like that. I just don't know if he could do like the sonic waves that they no, do. No, I don't think he could fly with it. Right. But I would be interested to see now that he's met Bay the Blood Moon, if he can mimic the Doom Note. That would be interesting. Because like his power does kind of defy physics a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that it just really isn't possible for him to like have like vocal cords that can can do that right yes so there is like a little bit of like physics defying there so like it it does make sense to me that he could mimic the sound of banshee's power without actually mimicking the sound waves but also honestly if a writer had him mimic the sound waves i wouldn't complain because i would (laughs) know that would be so cool yeah i'd be like that's (laughs) fine like i would have him meet banshee first or meet siren first and then like figure out how to do it i probably wouldn't have him fly but i might have him do like a blast or whatever yeah i think that could be fun i don't think he can do it right now though i think it's something we'd have to learn how to do yeah and he hasn't used his power a ton because he was embarrassed of it as like this great barbarian hero. So training in his power more is something that would be fun to have the character do. It would be interesting to see him go to Krakoa a little more often now that there's a little bit more back and forth. Yeah. And maybe like train to use his mutant power because like he's mm-hmm. really good with his swords. But he hasn't really tried to explore that aspect of himself. Well, and particularly now that Saturnine is manipulating him into being like her new knight, it would be really fun to see her like, so what else can you do? Yeah. Like, let's let's expand this. Let's see what we've got to work with here. Um, And, you know, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing his powers expand in that way. 
Eugenia Montserrat Pinson Balam writes, Saludos, Connor, and lovely guest Guido. Hope both are having a lovely time. I liked that she called you Guido, which is not <laughs> correct, but I left it in because it was cute to me. I Because it is a first name, like Guido Carasella. So Eugenia Montserrat Pinson Balam has my favorite name of anyone who ever writes into this podcast, which is why I say it in full <laughs> every time, even though she always signs off as like best Eugenia Pinson. But her email address displays with the full I think that the first few times I emailed questions, I just signed it Sam, but you read like my full name. Yeah, well, because Google tells me and I'm I'm always careful (laughs) because if the signature name is really different, I don't want to like accidentally dead name somebody on the podcast or whatever. But, you know, as long as usually if someone really doesn't want me to say their last name, they put that in the email and I try to respect that. So if you're listening, (laughs) FYI, that's how you can avoid being doxed on Cerebro. <laughs> doxed by Cerebro. <laughs> so uh, Eugenia writes, although I only learned about Kylan on the Jay and Miles podcast, I'm surprised he isn't more popular and wasn't used by other writers. His mutant powers aren't battle-oriented, no, but his experience in combat, his design, and his status as basically an isekai protagonist returned to his <laughs> world and now a fish out of water makes him a perfect addition for any team, not only mutant ones. For non-manga or anime fans, an isekai is a story where the protagonist is transported or reincarnated into another world. Yeah, in uh, the West, we usually call them portal fantasy, which is like what Narnia is. You you referenced Narnia earlier. Why do you think he fell into obscurity? If you could include him on any other team, where would you put him? As a side note, Kailan would probably get a good income with his onomatopoeia powers. He could work on sound effects and design in movies, or he could just do it on a smaller scale, recording a variety of sounds and selling them online, like some independent musicians do with their songs. Thank you as always, Connor, for all your work, and I wish you and your guests an excellent week. Best, Eugenia Pinson. So I think that is why he was a natural fit for mastermind studios right like to be yeah. an employee of a movie studio is a cute idea he could work for x corp doing stuff like that that would be fun to see if we do ever get the entertainment arm of x corp as something that we see more developed it would be fun if he did work there but i do feel like saturday now has been her clutches right and it's probably gonna be in other world for the most part. it's like i i want to see that story play out first before we see yeah him exactly team I feel like I'd want to see him. I mean, this isn't a team, but I'd want to see him in a Leah Williams book because I know that she likes Excalibur and she's used yeah. him before. So I would like to see him interacting more with X-Men characters he hasn't met before. I think yes, that would be fun. That's true. Because like uh, him meeting Shatterstar was was really fun. Cute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like I think he could similarly bond with a lot of X-Men characters in ways that would be, I mean, I mean, he and Ilyana should absolutely yes. chat. They've never met as far as I can remember. And they have a very similar life experience in a lot of ways. So, I mean, and not similar in other ways, like she fell into hell and he fell into a land where he became a hero. So, right. It, and, and was immediately like, you're, you know, this like chosen warrior. So very different experiences, <laughs> but also, so they're both isekai protagonists, right? So like that yeah. would be something that would be- But like Kai Lung into. gets like the childhood fantasy part mm-hmm. of it. Like he, instead of like the- Instead of the horror that yes. she falls into. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but but in general, I think you could throw him into a lot of things. I think that he fell into obscurity because there was an editorial directive to get rid of Alan Davis's weird characters <laughs> and make Excalibur a regular X-Men book. Yeah. Uh, you know, they write out all those characters pretty quickly. 
it's like I can't deny that Kylan is weird, but like I don't know. I mean, he's not like unusably weird, is the thing. No, he's like long shot though. It's like Bob <laughs> right. Harris had them get rid of long shot in the transition to the X-Men 91 relaunch because he was like, the Mojoverse stuff is confusing and he's not a mutant or whatever. Kylan is a mutant, but again, it's like we're trying to get rid of the like Excalibur after Davis is never really about the interdimensional stuff again, which is what the book's about for the first 67 issues. Right. It just becomes X-Men in Europe. And so the more fantastical characters don't really fit anymore. The most fantastical stuff you get in later Excalibur is like Margali Sardish and Amanda and like witchy stuff that is easier to just make part of the London setting. Right. And I, I really liked in X of Swords and Knights of X, like getting back to the fantasy part Yes, I of did it. too, yeah. Like there isn't as much like, dimension hopping but like no. other world is now multiple fantasy exactly dimensions, exactly so. and it seems like let's get back to dimension hopping is where the story is now going with rachel yes. and betsy so i'm excited it would for be that fun too. to return to erath it would be super fun <laughs> to return to erath particularly if like saturnine goes to erath and everybody's like yes. oh my god satin and she's like <laughs> Yes, like you know, like where because she needs to like acquire more power somehow. That's her favorite thing to do. Yeah. Reese Indigo writes, "I love that Kylan's back and making a name for himself. What do you think a Catman with sound mimicry powers was up to for the twenty years between appearances? Was he in other world doing adventuring stuff or just hanging out off panel with the likes of Ian McNee, Southpaw, and other completely forgotten characters?" I like the idea that he mostly was just like hanging out with his parents for a while like I do really like yeah. that but he's clearly not content at the wedding and so I think that between in the 20 year gap between Excalibur 125 and the Leah Williams story in the Domino Annual in 2018 I think he probably is adventuring again I mean we know that he is a public enough figure for people to make erotic fan art of him and Beast yeah that's so true. I think that he must have been superheroing in Europe and we just didn't hear that much about it because we don't hear that much about the Marvel UK characters in American comics. Like there's all these characters like Spitfire and Union Jack and they're like all fun characters, but outside of like Captain Britain and Elsa Bloodstone and a couple others that have like made the jump, you don't really see... Like, was Kylan on an adventure with, like, Hell's Angel and the Black Axe? Like, for all we know, yes. We just never got to read it because Marvel UK stopped existing in yeah. a defined form after the early 90s. So That would be interesting to explore, for yeah. sure. We felt like Death's Head and Kylan on an adventure together would be really funny. Yeah. And Teeny wrote Death's Head, actually. Huh. So, who knows? Maybe. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I like to think that he's had tons of adventures that we just didn't see. And that the second the Krakoan gate to Avalon opened up, he was like, I'm in it now. I'm back. Like, yeah. I'm going to go be a barbarian hero in Fairyland. And so it makes total sense that he was living there when Megan and Rachel were trying to think of, like, who could help us here. But I assume that he was, I mean, the gate in Avalon was open and was like fine so i assume he was traveling back and forth to his family's house where like they're just hanging out in edinburgh or whatever now it would be interesting now that mutants are banned from the uk 
I don't know. I'm just intrigued to see where all of the. Yeah. Let me I don't think we we've don't... ever seen his parents on panel. We haven't. So it could and be interesting it... for Betsy to have like a conversation with them. Well, right. And particularly like it's not that mutants necessarily have been 100 percent banned from the UK, but Krakoans certainly right. can't enter. One thing that might be interesting is if the political situation about mutants in Scotland is different from the political situation about mutants in England, much like Brexit or any other number of issues. Right. So that could be something worth exploring. Basically, I'm just excited to see what happens next with all of the Captain Britain stuff. And I think that Kailan has been set up to potentially play an interesting role down the line right. in that setting. and Because out of the Captain Britain Excalibur characters, because there's a lot of them that come in and out, mm-hmm. he's one of the more usable ones. Yes. Because of like everything that like ties him to like the modern day mm-hmm. and to like what rate and to what Betsy's been doing. Yeah. And like to our earth and to Saturnine and to like, Nightcrawler and other X-Men characters. Like yes. there's stuff you can do that makes him more useful than like Linda McQuillan, for example. Exactly. Like, there are characters Who's, like more associated with like Brian and yeah. like the and there alternate are characters that'd be stuff. fun to bring back, but they're very much alternate universe deep cuts as opposed right. to a character you can have sort of seamlessly moving around between right. worlds. Ryan Sosa wrote in with a few questions and they're all fun. So I will get into them. (laughs) Dear Connor and dearest guest, first, thank you. I've loved comics since I was but a wee child and I've always wanted to talk for hours with someone about them, pouring over every detail and dissecting all the minutiae. But I've never had anyone else in my life who cared about these things at all, much less at the level I did. Made for a very lonely hobby. Then I found your podcast. Now the dopamine flows freely and that had been in pretty short supply lately. Well, thank you. I'm glad you found the show. Questions. One. What do you think Kylan's accent sounds like these days? Follow my train of thought here. He's born in Scotland and stays there long enough to establish speech patterns, gets transported to Erath, where thankfully they all seem to speak English. No, as we established, they don't. They speak their own weird language. But he's definitely there long enough for it to cause his accent to level to his new surroundings. Then he comes back to the 616 and surrounds himself with a German, two Brits, whatever Rachel counts as, and an American. To say nothing of his mutant power, probably causing him to suffer from mild echolalia. It's a silly question, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I like to think that he has a Scottish accent because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It like, is, I think you just have him keep it, you know? It is interesting that he remembers English because yes. I feel like if he went, if like as a seven year old, you were transported to another world where you lived or even like, another country, like, yeah, you might for, lose where you live for like 15 language. years yeah. and no one speaks English there. But I wonder if his power helped him remember it. Like, I if was he just say, has, like, he, he a instinctive... bank in his head of, like, phrases he's heard before. I was going to say he instinctively can, like, mimic sounds. So I think he must remember sound yeah. sort of encyclopedically, right? Exactly. He must have a better memory for sound than most people do. Yeah. Two, what do you suppose Kailun's opinion of Kitty Pride is? A version of her saved him and granted him a larger destiny, but also stole many years of his life. Is he able to disconnect the two, Kitty and Widget, as they're different people? Would his cross-dimensional capers cause that line to blur or sharpen? Does he look at Spider-Man and just sadly shake his head, thinking of the Spider-Man <laughs> of Erath? <laughs> I do think it's hilarious that on Eras Spider-Man was part of Excalibur. Yes, like, that is it is so that, funny. He just, like, like Brian brought... Peter Parker back with him from the United States right, and was like, yeah. be a superhero here. Maybe they'll right. like you more than the New Yorkers. Yeah, it's like Spider-Man and Thor are just, yeah. and I mean, <laughs> Thor, at least you're like, okay, well, like, 
Norse stuff, right? Like he's a, he's a god. Maybe he just landed, but like and and a, like a European god. So like yeah. it's not completely out of the question. But like Spider Man, why are you here? Maybe on that Earth, Spider Man did an exchange program in England rather than Brian doing one oh. in the U.S. Yes, that could be interesting. That could work. I think the question of Kitty and Widget. I'd have to go back and reread that last arc of Davis Excalibur where like we learn the origins of Widget. Does Kylan, yeah. is he present for that? I think he's in that arc. He's but in I the don't... story, but I don't yeah. remember if it's like he's there for the Widget explanation. I'm not sure. I also like, I just feel like he'd see them as different people. I think he honestly. would just, yeah, because they're and very he also, different. Also, he has a positive view of Widget because like Widget yes. saved his life. So yes. I don't I don't think he has negative feelings to project on to Katie about the whole situation. Anyway. Right. It's not like Belasco, like Widget right. transported him to save him from this evil lady who had kidnapped him. And his him. parents and, are still alive. And yes. he can be with his parents still. And he loved Widget enough that he made Widget his <laughs> emblem yeah, it's so as cute. the hero of the people. <laughs> so, you know, I think that. If anything, finding out Kitty from an alternate timeline is Widget would make him like Kitty more, probably. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, so you grow up to be really cool. Like, you grew he, up to be Widget, see... and Kitty's like, yeah. no, I don't, actually. <laughs> he'd Let's see, not like, go there. He'd see, like, Kate on, the on like, her pirate ship and be like, oh, you've come so far, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. He's like, oh my God, you're, like, on the path to Widgetdom. Yeah. And Kate's like, and Kate's like no, I am not. That's not gonna happen. Three, do you have any thoughts or insights as to why Kylan never made it to Araco? It seems like a pretty good fit for him, or would his blades be useless there since none of his opponents would be evil per se? I think that he was just busy in Otherworld at the time. He doesn't seem up on the most recent events on right. Earth after Ten of Swords. Like, he's been, because time moves differently in Otherworld also. I think he's just, like, in his fantasy land bag and doesn't really feel the need to leave it for a while. Right. He could be an interesting character to show up on Arako at some point, but there's still so much you can do with Otherworld that I think mm-hmm. taking him out of it wouldn't make the most sense for the character. I think it would be interesting to send him to Dryador, where Pestilence and Famine are, to, like, interact with Iraqi characters there. It but, could like, be interesting. In Otherworld. Yeah, it could be interesting for him to help Sunfire when he goes to rescue mm. Redroot. I would love that. Because he and needs someone to team sense. up with. <laughs> yes. And like Sunfire has the kind of mutant power that he would be like, ah, yes, you are a righteous sorcerer or whatever. And it would like yeah. really work for him. <laughs> Last question four. The more I think about Kylan's swords, the more of a game changer I realize they are. Do they only work for him? Or could we give them to North Star and have him quickly check everyone on the island every few weeks? Might solve some problems before they start. And I think Xavier would be really into the idea of pre-crime. Thank you for devoting so much of your time and energy to this wonderful endeavor. All my best, Sosa. So I think that Kurt is like special. Like I I think not affecting Kurt is because Kurt is especially virtuous and righteous as a person. I think that it would cut a regular person. I think it would like cut Storm. For example, like it probably right. like cut, someone like Storm like who's willing Magneto. to get in the like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. These characters who are unquestionably heroic, but might have like kind of a darker yeah. side. Anyone it who probably was cut both Scott and Jean. Right. Like anyone who was at all corrupted by the Inferno. Like there's yeah. it, it, there's that 
And I mean, Colossus was the character that you couldn't corrupt back then. And now you probably could like because yeah. he's evolved in a not so <laughs> virtuous way. But Kurt, right. I think the idea is that he is sort of a sanctified character in some sense. And so the swords go right through him. I think they would have cut Brian in a second. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so for sure. Uh, they probably would go through Megan. Yeah, I like agree. there are some characters where that they wouldn't cut, but I think if he had tried that on a different member of Excalibur besides <laughs> Kurt or Megan, it would have gone badly. God, can you imagine if it had Kitty in the bathroom and he just and beheaded like... her in his first yeah. appearance? She could have phased at least, but like, right, yeah, yeah, no, would have been not not great. Um, Sam, aka the Dark Sheik, professional wrestler and fan of the pod, writes, Dear Connor and Sam Guido, what are your thoughts on the parallels and differences between Kailun and Ilyana's childhood journeys? On a side note, I appreciate the use of wrestling terms you sometimes sprinkle into the show. If you stepped into the ring, what would your character be? Hustle, loyalty, and respect, Sam. I would be very bad at pro wrestling, so it's yes. not really something I've thought about. No. Um, I think I would be good as like a valet as they're called, like those managers who like are usually women. But back in the day when the women were not usually fighting, they were like, they could be like sexy. I would be like, I, I would love to be a drag valet for a professional <laughs> wrestler, but I don't know that I would be one myself. Sam, do you have thoughts on, on your professional I wrestling career? I don't watch wrestling. So I don't, you I don't what? know that much about it. Like Wolverine are a compact guy like That's nyla true. rose could fastball special you at someone and that i mean that would be, would be fun i'd be into yeah. that <laughs> um as for Ilyana and kailan we've talked about it a little bit but i think that what's interesting about contrasting them is kailan gets the childhood fantasy heroic story but then it turns awful yes like he becomes the great hero and marries the princess and all, but then it ends in tragedy. Whereas Ilyana, it's tragic from the beginning, but it becomes something triumphant. She defeats Belasco, she conquers the realm. And so they kind of have parallel trajectories, but they start and end in kind of opposite places. Yes. And uh, I'd love to see them chat. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons aside from that plane scene, which is just like one of my favorite scenes in a comic ever. But that was one thing that definitely drew me to Kailan is like the childhood fantasy mm -hmm. of just being in a different universe where you could like be something different, you know? Like mm -hmm. I used to, I, don't, I used to like be a real like daydreamer and stuff. So, but like the the idea of like growing up into it, you know? Right that's the horror that he faces. Mm -hmm. Losing Satine as an adult, the way that Ilyana loses the X-Men as a child is it, again, it's like sort of reverse narratives and it would be right. cool to see them together. Yeah. Um, last question, Krakoa Welcomes asks, how accurately can the two of you together mimic the sound, <laughs> mimic the sounds of the opening to the X-Men cartoon theme song? I mean, are you game to try? <laughs> That's the part I know. Okay, so do you want to do that part? And I'll okay, so I'm gonna do the bass part, and you do that part. So it's like I can't do it. I'm sorry. That was so bad. That's okay. No, it's all right. 
It's all right. We were on the spot. It's fine. No. Um, I, I don't do guy. like accents and no, stuff, fine. which is funny <laughs> that I like this character so much. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a violin moment. Like, uh, yeah, anyway, um, hope you enjoyed that. That was a little oral experience, <laughs> oral AU. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for being my guest. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can follow you online and plug anything you want to plug? Uh, I don't really have anything to plug. The best place to find me is the Cerebro Discord. I'm pretty active there. You know? <laughs> uh, um, I do have a Twitter. I changed my handle to Catboy Gambit. Catboy Gambit. Yeah. I'm which... so obsessed with that panel in Teenies Excalibur mm-hmm. where uh Jim Jasper's turns Gambit yes, into Jim a Jasper's Nico turns, maid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's been my profile picture since that <laughs> issue dropped. So <laughs> I just decided to claim the Twitter handle while I'm glad that you did. (laughs) So follow Catboy Gambit on Twitter.com and come to the Cerebro Discord where you can come hang with me and Sam and over 2,500 other people, which are not all active, but there are a lot of them in there. (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of people and and it is an active, robust little server that I'm proud of. So yes, uh, join us there. And Sam, thank you so much for all the work that you put in as a volunteer to help corral the kids on I mean I server. really like owe a lot to you and Lewis and Luke and Justin for making it like a space to begin with because I haven't I've never really been comfortable interacting with online fandoms before but the discord was like a really great place to start it turns out <laughs> Well, thank you. That makes me really happy. I mean, that's the goal at the end of the day. You can follow Cerebro on Twitter and Instagram at CerebroCast. You can follow me on Twitter at DreamOfOrganon or on Instagram at Connor Goldsmith. You can find all of the episodes plus links to the Discord server and much, much more at CerebroCast.com, the official landing page for the podcast for $5 a month at the House of Zaladine tier at Patreon.com slash Cerebro. You can get an ad-free version of every episode the moment they go up, plus access to the secret files exclusive bonus episodes including the weekly claremont marathon which is happening again thankfully after a brief hiatus in august because i was traveling for the con and all of that i love doing it and the response to that has been really lovely so please do sign up it helps me continue to do this show next week's episode will feature returning guest luke ruddick on pietro maximoff quicksilver then spencer ackerman returns to the pod for andrea and andreas von strucker the fenris twins followed by leah williams for boom boom Caden clinn for manifold and gateway and khaldun khalil on the shadow king Questions are closed for Quicksilver and Fenris, but still open for Boom Boom, Manifold, Gateway, and the Shadow King. Please send them to Cerebrocast at gmail.com. If you are sending questions for multiple characters, please send them in separate emails. Shana Tova to the Jewish Zalagang. By the time you hear next episode, it will be the new year. Let's hope 5783 is a good one. Thank you, as always, for listening and for your support. And until next time, everybody, bye. Bye, everyone. X-Men, X-Men. In the 21st century, evil mutants led by Magneto aim to destroy the world.